Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. Joined by Paul Dottino, I am John Schmelk. The phone number for you is 201-939-4513 or hashtag GiantsChat on Twitter if you want to participate in the show that way. We'll have your calls a little bit later on, but we have two dynamite guests Coming your way on today's show, we have Giants' fifth-round pick, uh, one of the few guys we have not spoken to on the show so far. We talked to a lot of the other guys on our Friday night and Saturday afternoon, Big yeah. Blue kickoffs. The Giants' fifth-round pick. Uh, he'll be joining us, the defensive tackle um, out of Miami. So that'll be a good interview at 1230. Uh, but off the top, we're going to focus in on one of the other Giant prospects. In fact, the prospect that got picked right before R.J. McIntosh. <laughs> yes. That's Kyle Loletta, the quarterback out of Richmond where he had a lot of success and really was a dominant player and did an excellent, excellent job. And we'll be talking to his head coach from the Richmond Spiders and he joins us now, Russ Huseman, who was with Kyle for two years down there in Richmond. Uh, Russ, you got John Schmelk and Paul Dettino up here in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Good, after good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate the time today. Oh, good being on with you guys. Thanks, Coach. Well, Coach, let's get right to it, and uh, I'll, I'll start this way. Um, in terms of what you asked Kyle to do down there, um, I, I watched three of your games on tape to get ready for this interview. I watched Stony Brook, I watched Delaware, I watched Albany. I wanted to see some of your games against some of your better opponents this year. And I saw a lot of pro-style route concepts in terms of what you asked Kyle to do. How much in your offense does include some of the pro-style stuff that you think Kyle will be asked to do with the Giants here in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously he had to go through route progressions uh, with our offense, so he he did have to, you know, he did have to figure out where to go with the ball, you know, most every time, unless we were play action taking a shot. But for the most part, I mean, he had progressions. He had to know where to go with the ball pre-snap reads. You know, he had to know where to go with the second and third read. So he did a lot of that. And he's done a lot of that since he's been in school here. You know, he's had four offensive coordinators during his time here. And, and uh, he's had a lot of, you know, a lot of different offenses to adjust to. And, and I think he's done a great job with all of them. I'm glad you mentioned that, Coach, because to some folks, when they get to the NFL – and they talk about, well, I had three defensive coordinators. I had four offensive coordinators. I had so many different systems to run. I never got to develop. I never got to be the guy I wanted to be. And we almost hear that sometimes for guys like it's a crutch. I get the impression that with Loletta, that's actually a benefit for him because he is so cerebral and he was able to handle so many offenses. I wonder if it doesn't make him better prepared to come into the pros. Yeah, I think it does. Um, you know, because you're 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 constantly learning. You're learning different terminology. Um, you know, different things that people want to do want you to do. You know, we were different from his previous year, and I heard they were different from the year prior to that, and and what they wanted to do. He's he's been around a lot of good football coaches even before we got here. You know, he was he was around some really smart people. Um, you know, the offensive coordinator was, I think, John Garrett, uh, Jason Garrett's brother, mm -hmm. uh, our year before we got here. And then Charlie Fisher, who's at Arizona State now, who, who ran a, a lot of pro-style stuff. Um, so he's been exposed to a lot of really good coaches. And, uh, you know, he was, he was developed uh, in a great way before we got here. I'll credit our offensive staff for finding ways to – you know, to utilize his skill set. You know, we're not really, 
you know, when we, we came from Chattanooga, we were never a, a really a, a drop back, throw, read progression type of uh, team. And, and as coaches, we really adjusted to what Kyle could do. Wow. And, uh, and so you give our you give our coaches a lot of credit, and we'll go back to more quarterback run oriented stuff. <laughs> but uh, you know our guys our guys did a good job with that. Yeah, hey, coach, and I want to touch on Kyle's uh, mobility in a little bit. Um, but first, I want to stay on this line of questioning here. How much was he asked to do pre-snap? Because I know a lot of times in college, you know, they hold up the boards on the sideline. I didn't see a whole lot of that watching the Richmond games of him looking at the sideline, looking for what you to tell him what to do, and then he kind of just translated it. It looked like he had a decent amount of pre-snap responsibilities for reads and adjustments. Yeah, we didn't look to the sideline a whole lot. Now, we were no huddle, so we would signal the, the formation – you know, he didn't st- sit in a huddle and kind of, do, you know, tell everybody what to do. But obviously, we would send, signal it out to him, right. and then he would have to put him in protections, the protection that he wanted, that he saw. But it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, doing the old set hut and trying and then looking over, <laughs> and then we would tell him. We didn't do, we didn't do a whole lot of that. We've done that in the past, but this year we didn't do it very often. Uh, so, you know, if we ever did do it, it was just to, so we could maybe see a blitz at some point in time in a critical situation. But other than that, you know, we'd send a play in just like they were in the huddle. We just didn't huddle. And uh, so we'd send a play in uh, just, you know, just like you would be in a huddle and, and, and Kyle would, you know, communicate to the offensive line what they needed to do and, and uh, move forward from there. Coach, so many times over the, the years I've heard offensive coordinators, quarterbacks, coaches, and head coaches say that, well, the way the college game has changed with so many guys operating out of the spread and the shotgun, uh, making the adjustment to taking the ball from center is going to be a problem. Now, Kyle did that early in his career, and so Correct. you guys didn't do really that now. Was that so much because your style was not to do that, or was it because he wasn't comfortable with it and kind of wanted to change and become a shotgun guy? No, that was we've been in the shotgun for – Many, many, I've had my offensive coordinator for five years, and we're out of the gun for the most part. Now we got under center some, uh, not a ton, but we did get under center some. And, and from what I understand, he was under center quite a bit the uh, previous years before we got here. But that was never – we never said, well, let's don't do we, – we, that's just what we are. We're in the gun. And uh, so it had nothing to do with Kyle's skill set or whether he could do it or not. Um, I, I really think he would be good under center, too, for sure. We're joined by Russ Huseman, Richmond head coach. He had Kyle Oletta down there in Richmond. Um, coach, one thing that I think is hard to coach with a quarterback, and, and I saw from Kyle watching him on tape, he's calm in the pocket. There's a mess by his feet. Guys are stunting in front of him. The tackles are pushing the ends outside of him. But he stays in the pocket or calmly steps up, keeps his eyes down the field, and is able to find open guys under pressure. Is that something that when you got there, he kind of already innately was able to do? And do you think that's really one of his greatest strengths? I absolutely do think that's one of his best strengths. No question about that. And, and um uh... The, you know, he, he was coming off ACL surgery, so he didn't practice with us this first spring there. So the first time we had him was in camp wow. and could see him operate in, in August camp. And the first time I saw him, and, 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 and again, I'm a defensive guy. I have no idea how to coach a quarterback. <laughs> um, but when I saw him, 
I said, man, that dude looks like a quarterback. Just how he composed he was in the pocket, you know, his, his feet in the pocket. And, again, I go back. I think he was very, very well coached prior to us getting here. And, uh, you know, our guys did a good job with him. But, you know, it was – he just looked like a, a quarterback to me. And, and that was maybe the first comment I made after watching practice. I said – that, that's what a quarterback should look like right there. You know, Coach, whenever somebody tries to pick what round a guy's going to go in, they try to pick them apart, positives, negatives. The talk about the arm strength, obviously, is one that has come up with him. But, you know, Dave Gettleman, the Giants GM, was one of many of those who said, when you watched him at the Senior Bowl, you saw he could make every throw he had to make, and he was incredibly productive in that All-Star game. When was it, in your tutelage, when you kind of figured out you know what? We got somebody special here. He's not just a good college quarterback. He's a real pro prospect. Well, I watched, you know, obviously all, when we got here, we watched all the games uh, from the previous year to kind of evaluate personnel, you know, see what we had, see how we could fit them into what we do. But really, I think maybe the first time that I thought, wow, this guy's special and I always thought he was special. I mean, he, he was such a great kid from day one. He bought in all the, the whole way. Um, but I think he threw one, and I can't remember who it was against. It was right before the half. And, and again, it wasn't. But I thought, he, he, like, he threw it eight miles in the air, about <laughs> 60 yards down the field, and put a dime on a guy for a touchdown and and I look and I said wow man I when he first threw it I thought where is that thing going and the guy had not even come open he had not even been close to saying this was going to happen but he knew the kid's speed and I mean it was a dime and and I just shook my head and said wow that, that was something special there you know, Coach, and I want to follow up on that because I think the other thing that impressed me besides his feet in the pocket was his anticipation. So many college quarterbacks will wait for the receiver to come out of their break, then they'll throw the pass, and sometimes it's too late. In the NFL, it's almost always too late when you do that. Watching Kyle on tape, he constantly is getting into his throwing motion before his receiver even gets to the top of his route. It seems to me that he understands the precision necessary and has built the chemistry with his receivers to be able to play with that type of anticipation. Yeah, he actually he really did build a lot of chemistry with these guys. He was, he was always bringing them in um, at nighttime, uh, grabbing them, come on, let's watch some film, always doing extra throws before and after practice, he knew how important that was to develop that chemistry with our guys. And, and I, I thought he did an excellent job with that. Again, I don't, I don't know enough about it. All <laughs> I do is clap my hands when he completes a pass. I don't know how it gets there or how he does it, uh, but I'm on the sideline clapping away. So, uh, you know, he, he, it is pretty special, some of the things he can do. What, if anything, because he's obviously a record-breaker at Richmond and he's made you a very, very happy coach, what, if anything, would you like to see him improve upon to be a successful NFL quarterback? Wow. You know, I, I don't know. Um, you know, all the people that came through here, you know, asked what I thought. You know, I don't know enough about the NFL quarterbacks. You know, you just I, – I can't – 
with our time, we we don't ever get to watch NFL games. Uh, you know, again, I think that I'm going to leave it up to those guys to figure out what he needs to improve on. I just know, I just know the kid was special, and not only on the field and some of the things he did, but just off the field. I mean, he he he's a unique individual. He never ever stepped into a meeting with anybody without a, a pad and a, and a pen in his hand. He would come in on Sunday nights, every Sunday night. He'd peek his head in my door. Uh, and, again, I, like I said, I had nothing to do with the offensive side of the ball. He would peek his head in. he said, what do you think, Coach? And, uh, and he'd come in, he'd sit down in a chair, and he said, I think this will work and this will work. And any time I said something, he wrote it down. And that was amazing to me. I never saw him without a pen and a pad in his hand, and he was constantly taking notes on every conversation, anything that anybody said, uh, you know, he ate it up. And I think, you know, if you're looking for a, a big-time compliment, you know, I think that's it. And, you know, I'll tell another story, too, that I, I've told a lot of people on on Kyle and, and for the people in New York and, and, uh, and all the Giant fans. The, you know, nowadays everybody transfers, and all these grad school guys are leaving and, and, and finding a different niche. And, and we got here, and it was his fourth coordinator and a new staff. He had already graduated. He's a double major in business and leadership. He's a 3.6 GPA kid. He could have very easily graduated at the end of spring, mm-hmm. called Oregon, some other places, some big, big-time BCS programs, and they would have taken him with open arms and and he'd have been extremely extremely successful he told me he would never leave richmond because of his teammates and what the university of richmond did for him that's loyalty he didn't know me from adam he didn't know our offensive coordinator he probably didn't know what we were going to do offensively but the kid stayed at richmond because of his teammates and what the university of richmond did for him now that's a special individual you know, Coach, um, I want to I want to just throw a little something in here for all of our old time Giants fans. What many people probably don't know is your connection to Joe Morrison, a very legendary Giant who had his number forty retired. You played for him, you coached for him. Now you're sending a quarterback to the Giants, and you know what? Joe is as blue as a Giant could possibly be. I got a feeling this is kind of a thrill for you to be sending a quarterback to Big Blue. Well, no question. I mean, I've, I've been a Giants fan. Um, you know, Joe Morrison. We uh, we'd laugh because they would. We'd be on a Friday night uh, uh, films. You know how they show the highlight films. They'd always put Joe Morrison clips in for the New York Giants. They, they, he used to do a shaving cream commercial, and, and they'd throw that in, and we'd bust out laughing. And he was such a great guy to play for, and a great guy. I was a GA for him, and. And, and I loved working with the guy. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, you know, the Giants connection. But, but the other connection, my son was on the practice squad uh, towards the end of the season, two seasons ago. The Giants gave him an opportunity. He was on the – you know, he got cut last year. Um, but uh, the Giants gave him that opportunity. Every Giant scout that comes through here, I, I just thought the world of. They were first class. Uh so my, my connections to the Giants, you know, I know a few of the coaches that were on the staff previously. Um, you know, I just I've had and we've had Richmond players, you know, uh, carry wins mm-hmm. on the on the roster. Mm-hmm. They've taken guys before from Richmond, and um, so 
I've been a Giants fan for a long time, even though I really didn't have a whole lot of connection. And, 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 you know, even when they took Kyle, man, uh, my little boy and I were sitting in the living room watching the draft and man, I, I, I let out a yell. I was so excited about that one uh, because I thought for one, it'd be a great fit, but two, you know, I, I do think the world of the Giants and their organization. Coach, great stuff. We really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll talk to you down the road, all right? Thank you, Coach. Be all well. Right. Anytime, guys. See head, y'all. Head coach of the Richmond Spiders, Russ Huseman. I misspoke. He was with Kyle for his last year at Richmond, not his last two. That was my mistake, but he was there for his last year with Kyle at Richmond. Like you said, he went through a lot of different coaches and, and offensive coordinators and systems, but um, again... Obviously a defensive-minded coach, as you reminded us many times during the interview. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, great, great great stuff there about, about Kyle, and it sounds like he's going to be somebody uh, that will adjust to New York and the NFL pretty quickly based on his work ethic. He sounded like a proud papa. Yeah. I mean, honest to goodness. And we have been really fortunate to, to talk to some staff members from uh, where some of our draft picks have come from. And again, and this is not the first year, John, this is like the third year in a row that we've done this kind of thing and just heard nothing but glowing responses from those coaches because it was one of the mandates that the Giants actually put into effect two years ago. It was draft good character guys, draft good football guys, draft upstanding kind of guys. It was part of the profile that that John Mara and and ownership you know gave to even to Jerry Reese a couple of years back and and that's where the worm started to turn a little bit and you started to see less risks taken with some of the picks and Gettleman obviously is continuing that no question about it all right we got about ten minutes before we get R J McIntosh so let's get your calls in before we get to him let's go to Nick in the Meadowlands he's been holding the longest Nick what's going on Nick going once. Nick going, put, put Nick back on hold, Dan. Why don't we put him on hold? We'll try him again after we go to Matt in Rhode Island. He'll go first. Matt, what's up? What's up, fellas? Go Hi. ahead, Matt. What's up? Well, uh, I just wanted to actually call in. Um, you know, I, I was not really happy with the pick on during draft day because when you watch the draft, you want that immediate satisfaction of <laughs> getting the guy. But now that the dust settled, you know, it, it makes sense what the Giants are doing. They're, they're going to throw as much stuff against the walls they can, hope something sticks. And, you know, God forbid, you know, they bomb out again next season. It's not like they can't take a quarterback high again where, where these guys are affecting their cap. Uh, one, one question I, I did have, uh, though, for Paul is, I know you guys have McIntosh coming in, and, and then they took Hill as well. Are those guys nose tackles or are those 3-4 DNs that they, they, they drafted? Well, you know what, and that's that's a good question because we heard from Dave Gettleman that McIntosh lost 20 pounds from what they thought he was going to play at 300 to where he came in at the combine at about 280-something. Yeah, McIntosh okay. is not so, your traditional run-stuffing player. No, he's more no. he's more of an athlete. And he's, quite a three frankly, he's a three-technique in a 4-3. Quite frankly, B.J. Hill ran a 4.99 in his 40, all right? And this is a dude who's nearly 300 pounds. So he's another one of these athletes who gets up and down the line of scrimmage. I think they're better suited to be defensive ends in a 3-4. 
for me. I, I would exactly. agree, but remember, remember that this is not your traditional three four. No, either. it's not. You're gonna one gap. We gotta keep so, telling you that. Frankly, I think R.J. McIntosh is gonna be more of a sub package player. I think he's somebody that's gonna be a defensive tackle at the, at the three technique in nickel and dime when you have four down linemen. That's where I think McIntosh will get most of his playing time. I'm with Paul. I think Hill can be on the field as a three four defensive end in base with snacks with Tomlinson yeah. trying to stop the run. I tell you, I, I love, you know, obviously I don't have much footage available to me, but I love what I see out of Hill. He just kind of looks the part uh, when, you, when you see him on film. So I think I ever had a chance to talk to Paul. I talked to you guys the other day, but I think, Paul, I know you're a, a Lions guy. Uh, in many ways, I am the same. I think you kind of have to be happy. I mean, the Giants are stronger than they were uh, on both sides of the ball. Right. You know, from when the season ended last year. And, hey, listen, hope is – that's what the spring is for, right? So we got nothing to do but hope. Uh, mini camp is for the rookies is what, next week? Yes, next weekend. The 11th. Okay. All right. Well, look, can't wait for it. Appreciate you guys taking my call, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for calling in, Matt. Appreciate it. All right, let's go to um, Nick in the Meadowlands. We'll see if he's back. What's up, Nick? Hey, how's it going? What's up, Nick? How are you, buddy? I've been good, man. How you been? We're doing well. What's on your mind? Uh, I haven't talked to you in a long time, so... Uh, I just wanted to, you know, I didn't want to call before the draft, during the draft, none of that. I didn't. <laughs> I did that last year, and I kind of was like, ah, don't want to do that again and have that same look. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what somebody, you know, nitpickers. I don't know what people, are, you know, really talking about. You know what I mean? I, I think uh, Gettleman did a really good job. You know what I mean? Like with the first three picks, especially. And I, I mean, come on, you got Saquon Barkley. I wanted him all along. And I wanted Hernandez all along, and you know what? I'm I'm really really happy. So maybe you guys could tell me a little more about Carter, and you just told me a little bit more about the tackles, because that's what I kind of I was going to ask you about them. And I think you 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 hit it spot on there, John, with with that guy playing in like sub packages. Yeah, yeah, no worries. I think they know what they're doing. Like I I love what this guy's done already. I don't I don't want to hear it anymore. I mean, you got your line, you you got. A running back that, I mean, look who they're comparing him to. <laughs> you know what, though, Nick? And to be fair, and I, I don't know what you've seen or heard about the critics on this draft. I mean, you know, I definitely There's think that couple. is – Well, I, I'm going to tell you this. Only a couple. Only I a couple. I haven't seen or read anybody who has suggested they did not have one of the top five drafts well, in the league. I'll tell you what, Some I'll people tell you think they right had the now. best. It's not somebody – You're not big least. on it, Paul. You're not big on pro football focus. But no. I don't agree with that guy talking about well, Saquon Barkley, it's, it's, you know, in the backfield and losing yardage. Yeah, but and Nick, because, Nick. Yeah, he does because, you know what, he didn't really have much of a line at Penn State. Well, State. Nick, Nick, in fairness, look, Nick – to He's say, a great running back. No, no, Nick, he is, a, he is, Nick, he is a great running back, but it's also fair to say, and his own head coach at Penn State said this to me on the air, that he will sometimes forego getting an ugly two or three yards and try to bounce something, make a big play, and he loses bounce yardage. Out, yeah. That's what his, well, that's what that's what his head coach told me. So that, that, that is a something you have to keep an eye on as you move forward. That's fair. Nick, I think well, what, what you have to understand. That's what you right? Yeah, but Nick, here's what oh. here's what here's what you got to understand, okay? If you're going to go to an analytics service and ask for their grades, then you have to widen your scope and understand that they're strictly looking at analytics and numbers, and they're not looking at the whole package. Oh, you oh, have I, to I, you, I so take really it with a grain of salt. I'm just saying I don't agree with what the guy was saying about. I'm I'm just looking at the kid. You know, he's 
a, a really he's special. You know what I mean? And he, what you just said, John, you're absolutely right. You know what I mean? That's something though that he's going to be learning. And that's what I mean. He's going to develop. No, but Nick, Nick, see, Nick, here's my point. I think as a runner, as a pure runner, I don't think a whole lot separates Barkley from Darius Geis and Ronald Jones and those guys as a runner. But it's the other stuff he does, his ability to be a receiver, get split out wide. That's what makes him special. You put him on a wheel route, and I can see 75 getting picked up really easy. Exactly. You got it. Anyway. When that starts happening, guys. I mean, Eli is going to love this kid. <laughs> Eli is going to love him and Hernandez because Hernandez came out of Chaparral High School from Vegas on the east side of town. He came from my side of town. You know what I mean? He's a tough kid. <clears throat> I know that just because of where he came from. So um, I can't wait to see both of those guys. As far as you Carter, is- tell me about yeah. him. Paul, is Carter th- that 3-4 weak side linebacker? Carter can actually play a variety of roles. I, I tend to think he might be better off being just a sub-package pass rusher right now because that's what they kind of want him to do. And Thank he, you, Nick. Appreciate okay. the call. He's excited about that role. Um, imagine they could probably do one of two things with Carter, John. I'm thinking because I've tried to figure out how Betcher's going to use him. I'm thinking they got a couple options here. They could either line up opposite up Vernon – all right, and make him the stand-up on the other side and see if he can be a guy who can balance out Vernon in the sub-package, maybe. Or what teams occasionally do with their stand-up guys. This is – you don't see it a ton, but it does happen. They will stand them up next to each other on the edge. And all of a sudden now you got your tackle there on the edge or maybe your tight end, and he's got two pass rushers standing in front of him, and he's got to figure out which one he's going to deal with. Because he can't deal with both of them. I could see that happening. There might be times when Carter and Vernon are actually standing next to each other. I remember, also in the sub-package, when you have four down linemen, Vernon's not going to be standing up. He's going to have his hand in the dirt like Chandler I'm Jones did. I'm not so sure. That's what Chandler Jones did in Arizona. Not, uh, not always. Not always, but he had his hand in the dirt a good amount of the time. I watched the film. I there, saw it. There, I, I right. too, John. Yeah. There will be times where Vernon will stand up. Uh, he's he's no, made no, that, he, you no, know. No, he's going to stand up plenty, but I think... When they go to their sub-packages, a lot of times they'll have four linemen having their hand in the dirt. Other times, they'll have just two down linemen and have four or six guys yes, standing up near the line of That's the point. Correct. Yes. yes. You, will, you will go with two down, and then you have a firehouse blitz. Correct. It, it's based on Bud Carson's old system with the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is about we're going to send – Different combinations every time, and we're going to give you different looks every time, and we're going to stand up a bunch of guys so you can't identify if that guy's a safety, a linebacker, right. or a lineman. And it's similar to Rex Ryan did, too. Rex Ryan used the those amoeba same defense. principles. Yes, where Rex you have Ryan a bunch of amoeba. different people standing up near the line of scrimmage. You don't know who's dropping, who's coming. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In that way, you will see both Carter and Vernon standing happen. up in those spots. Oh, absolutely. No question about so, it. But, but I think you can also see both those guys, too, in the sub package with their hands down on, on, on the edge, too. Absolutely. It's another look. Yeah, sure. And Betcher loves mm-hmm. looks. Right. <laughs> That's what he does. He does. So I, to, that, to that point, I agree. It's Everybody's yeah. right in that regard. No question. Okay, before we get to R.J. McIntosh, should we try to squeeze in one more? Yeah, let's do it. Let's try to do Daniel in Brooklyn real quick. Len, I don't want to squeeze you into in 90 seconds. I didn't like to get your points in. So we'll get, <laughs> we'll get you after R.J., and we'll go to Daniel first. Daniel, what's up? Hey, what's going on? How are you, buddy? Hey, guys. Um, yeah. I wanted... At first, I wanted Sam Darnold. My head wanted Sam Darnold, but my heart wanted Barkley. And when okay. they both was available, when they both was available, number two, 
I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I said let's go with uh, Barkley, and you guys, it was right on the money. Gettleman got it right on the money. He got Barkley, and um, cause you know why? I think Eli can still play. I really think Eli can still play. And I would hate to have a quarterback draft the second overall, and we still have Eli. So I'm happy it worked out the way it worked out. Yeah, and, and, look, um, and, and Daniel, I think the bottom line too, putting all that aside, the big picture stuff. I think the Giants just thought Barkley was a much higher graded player than any of the quarterbacks that were available, and I really think that was the driving factor. If if Bradley Chubb was the highest graded player, they would have taken Bradley Chubb. If it was Quentin Nelson, they would have taken Quentin Nelson. It was Saquon Barkley. This was a value draft. Mm-hmm. That's all there was to it. Dave Gettleman stuck to value. And, and I think he worked out fine, and I'm very excited about Will Hernandez. You um, should be. I'm very excited about the line going into <laughs> training camp. But we have. Yeah, you should be. Look, and, and look, the, the Giants, and, and we talked about it, the need for them to rebuild their offensive line this offseason. And they've gotten three new starters, which is, I think, the number Paul and I were both kind of pointing at as to the amount of starters they had to bring in to really reform it the way they wanted to. And they managed to do it. They brought in Nate Solder, Patrick Omame, and they drafted Will Hernandez. Brett Jones is back as a center, and they're going to have a competition at right tackle. But we won't be in that competition. (laughs) We're not picking up. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate the call, buddy. All right. Uh, Yeah, they they still do have to figure out who the opening day right tackle will be, but they have several months to uh, sort through it. No question. All right, now let's welcome in our next guest. His name is R.J. McIntosh. He's the Giants' fifth-round pick out of the U. Junior, 6'4", 286 pounds. R.J., you got John Schmelk and Paul Dettino in East Rutherford, New Jersey, inside the Giants practice facility. Thanks for joining us today. How's it going? Uh, it's going well, man. Uh, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited and ready to get up there well, in New York, man. We are excited to see you, R.J. Why don't you kind of give me a little <laughs> thumbnail um, for Giant fans, how you would describe your play and your game. Uh, my play, I think I'm a very uh, smart guy. I'm quick off the bone. You know, I'm just I'm hungry. And I'm always, I have that motor. I'm always going and uh, I'm ready to, uh, you know, show you guys uh, what I could do. Do you see yourself as more of a three technique? Is that being your primary position, the way you played in college? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I was a three technique. I see myself playing that. RJ, uh, but, uh, Dave- I could play five. Uh, Dave Gettleman had told us about you had had like a 20-pound weight loss uh, at some point before the combine from when you were playing. Could you tell us what, what you went through? How difficult was that? Uh, do you plan on building yourself up to 300 again by the time you get to training camp? And and how do you feel that that will affect the style of play that you're going to put on the field? Um, well, yeah, um, I had a, a little medical situation with my thyroid and um yeah, that like you said, it caused me to lose uh, 20 pounds, something like that. And um, you know, that was a tough situation, especially because of the time it happened. But um, you know, I gained uh, about 15, 10 to 15 pounds back, so um, I'm almost back to myself. Um, so yeah, I plan on putting that weight back on because only because I played with it, and I felt very comfortable with playing with it. And um, so um, I, I plan on putting that on for training, t- on training camp, and um, you know, get back to my my old self. 
We're joined by R.J. McIntosh, Giants fifth-round pick out of Miami. And, R.J., uh, I, at the end of your two answers ago, you said, but I can play the five. And you know that James Betcher likes to move guys around on defense <laughs> and put defensive linemen yeah. in different <laughs> spots. How comfortable are you moving around and, and doing whatever James Betcher wants you to do, quite frankly, so you can get on the field and have as many snaps on defense as possible? I'm very comfortable with that. Uh, you know, at Miami, I move around a little bit, you know, from the left side to the right side, but, you know, a little bit of uh, four technique, four eye technique. And uh, so I'm very comfortable with it. I'm, 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 smart. I'm a smart guy. I can take all the information in, and, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to it, man, you know, to get to work. RJ, of course, everybody knows Miami has such a great football tradition and has sent so many players to the NFL. Do you have a certain role model that, uh, as a player that you have tried to emulate, model yourself after, take a lot of tips from? I, I mean, uh, again, there's a host of Hurricanes who have made it to the pros. Uh, just, um, well, when my favorite player was when he was in the league was Ray Lewis, and uh, it was just because of the way he played and how, how much he loved the game. And I try to, um, you know, take that from, from him. And, uh, you know, I don't play linebacker, but, you know, it's just the way he took the game. He, he approached the game. Um, it was, he took it so serious, and, and uh, he knew the offense, uh, all the schemes and stuff like that. So I try to, like, uh, because he was my favorite player, I try to, like, be like him out there on the field and, you know, work hard as hard as he did. You know, R.J., we talked to James Betcher a few weeks ago for the first time with the rest of the media. And even though he runs a 3-4, he's not asking his defensive lineman to two-gap and occupy blockers and create room for linebackers. He wants his defensive lineman to get upfield and penetrate. Is that something that yeah. you think is one of the strengths of your game coming out of the U? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, the same thing Coach Diaz had us doing um, there at Miami. You know, he wanted us to hit the gap and go and penetrate and, um, you know, make something happen in the backfield. So I'm, I'm kind of used to it. And, and uh, I think that's a big part of my game, what I had I had did in, uh, my, at Miami. Well, then, RJ, I got to ask you, what do you think the biggest adjustment will be as you come up to the pro ranks? <laughs> uh, I mean, besides, obviously, the everybody is talented. Everybody is a, a great player, the talent there in the um, NFL. Um, I think he's going to New York. Uh, <laughs> I think New York is a, a bit different, different than uh, Miami. Uh <laughs> I've never been to New York. I don't even heard the great stories about it, but uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's exciting. Well, I'm going to tell you, the media is not as nasty as they tell. They make it out to be. Trust me, we're actually good guys. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We're good. Um, RJ, uh, you've mentioned a couple times in your answers, without us even asking that, you consider yourself a smart player. How important is preparation and film work for you to get ready for these games to play your best? Because, you know, in the NFL, you're watching other teams' stuff, you're learning your own scheme. It can get pretty complicated. Are you ready for that really thick playbook that you think is going to hit you when you get up here? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. I've always been prepared for this. You know, Coach Cole, you know, Coach Mine, he already told us, he told us when he first got in, uh, complicated it could be in the next level so you know we're preparing for this the last two years of my life and um i take it from this year's film work and try not to make mistakes you know you know you want to be um, perfect out there because the speed of the game is i believe will be a lot faster than high on college so 
you got to know what you're doing out there. You can't be making mistakes thinking about stuff. Final one for me, RJ. Um, the Giants make the call. They tell you you're going to be a Giant. What What is the the feeling that you have knowing that over the course of the years the Giants have been such a proud franchise, specifically on defense? I mean, I know you're playing for a proud Miami Hurricane Club in school, but now you're going to to a place that's one of the flagships of the NFL. What what kind of feel does that give you when you when you get that phone call? Oh, uh, when I got the phone call, yeah, uh, it was uh, I was <laughs> I was so I mean I, I, the, the, my emotions I uh, say from nervous went straight to um, excitement. Now I was real nervous and um, you know sitting there watching my phone for the last couple of days. Um, but I, I got so excited, uh, especially seeing my mom. She, she she was standing there with me. She started to cry. But um, uh, yeah, I'm very, I was very excited. I'm still excited, and I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, leaving Miami defense going to another great defense is just crazy. It's, um, dream come true, man. Yeah, RJ, final one for me. We always ask these guys, ask you guys a couple years later, oh, what's your draft memory? And everyone says, I was so excited. I don't remember what the heck I said on the phone. I don't remember what they said to me <laughs> on the phone. Just three days later, yeah. do you remember any of those conversations or was it just such an emotional blur that it's kind of like, I know I said something, I just don't remember? <laughs> I, uh, I know I said I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> RJ, I'm telling you, RJ. Yeah, RJ, don't feel bad. Everybody gives the same exact answer. That it's just such a blur, and you're so pumped, and they don't remember. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's all it's, good. It's crazy. RJ, it's great crazy, stuff, man. man. We appreciate the time. Thanks for giving us a few minutes, and we'll see you next week for a rookie minicamp. We can't wait to see you up here. Looking right? forward to it. Thank you. All right, thank you very much. Appreciate. It. That's RJ McIntosh, the Giants' fifth round pick out of the U, Miami. Another guy bubbling over. Still, how many days is it now since he was picked? Wouldn't you be? <laughs> yeah, You absolutely. work your whole life to, to get the dream, and, and you get the dream. I'd be pumped up for a long time, no too. No question. Interesting in that he, he mentioned Ray Lewis, though, as a, as a guy you know he looked up to because of his attitude and his effort and his work ethic on the field. And film work. Yeah. Knows that smart. Know what's going on. You know, and even though different position, it was all about this guy's a dominant defensive player, and obviously he's too young to know Lawrence Taylor, but I, I appreciate the defensive mentality. You know, I'm going to wreck this game. That's that's pretty good. No question. All right, we got 20 minutes, folks. Us, you, phones. 201-939-4513. Let's get right to it and say hi to Len in Columbia, Maryland, who held through that interview. Len, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, good, good, good. Uh, yeah, good interview. The last two days, really, you know, very, very, very good interviews and um, – you know, I used to have one Last of my month, I think, but okay. long-time, um, long-time mentors in the world of work had a had an idea about um, hiring people, and he used to say to me, "Always hire smart people." And um, you know, no matter what the job, they do that here, Len. Look, by the look, way, look on this very show, <laughs> I think the Gi- you know, I think the Giants have kind of adopted that. These guys sound really smart, and it looks like there's a willingness to learn too. I mean, the idea about Loletta carrying the notebook around with a pencil uh, wherever he went is uh, kind of refreshing. 
Well, he's going to fit in well with Eli and Davis. I'll tell you that right now. It sounds like it. No question about it. I he mean, seems like a guy that loves the film work, loves to be around, loves to take notes. Those Eli and Davis already do it. I know Davis is here late Wednesday and Thursday nights. He makes like a presentation on Friday to all the coaches and, and Eli and stuff like that. I'm sure Kyle will be right there with him, and they'll be both doing their own separate things. It'll be great. And working together, of course. Obviously. Uh, there's no there doubt. you go. There you go. Hey, let me, let me put in a plug for the, uh, the University of Richmond. Uh, Loletta majored in uh, business and leadership. Yeah. That leadership program at Richmond. I, I come out of higher. I come out of higher education. So, as as a profession, uh, that that leadership program at Richmond is world renowned. What do you it's teach in a leadership? No, no, Len, no, Len, Len, Seriously, I have an honest question. What do you yeah. teach in a leadership program? I'm curious. Well, uh, you know, it's 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 related to management. Um, uh, you, you know, we need good leaders. We need, um, I always say, planning and organizing is important, but you, you need somebody to lead others. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's... So it, it's like I, philosophy? I it's, hard it, it's kind of hard to pin down, and you wonder what, what it's going to be all about. But, um, I, I mean, the skills are important. Uh, how, do you, how do you motivate people? How do you keep morale at a level, you know, when you're losing seven in a row? Um, how, how do you keep these guys motivated to, you know, go on and, and, and play? And it sounds like the folks at, uh, you know, UT, UT El Paso uh, were doing a good job with Hernandez and probably the other players too. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes you look at those programs and you, you, you just wonder, some of the better coaching going on even when those teams are losing. You know, though, Land, to be fair, and I appreciate what the folks at Richmond are doing with their course. I'm sure it's very admirable, but I think leaders on the field, team leaders – that's coming from within. It can't me. be taught, right? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think a textbook and a blackboard or a computer can give you leadership skills when you're in the field of battle and 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 it's a live game going on. No, 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 no. That's that's got to be in here. Yeah, Len, 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 okay. Len, 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 Seriously, I want to okay. respond to what Paul said there, and yeah. I also want to get to some football. So hopefully, I got a couple of extra yeah. seconds. You got time? This. Go ahead. We got time. The the first the first discussion you'll have in your first leadership. A class is can you be a good leader and a bad manager, and secondarily, can you be that's interesting uh, a good manager and a bad leader, and and then you begin to zero in on the leadership aspects of that. I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, Paul. I, just a little difference of opinion on, on you know on what you said, but um, all right, okay, yeah, no, that's all right. fine. Can I talk some football? That's go fine. Right go to it. Go right. to it. I'm, I'm going to join the group. Just Great win, draft. baby. Just Great win. <laughs> I'm sorry? Just win. That's all that matters. Just win, Len. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> there you go. I think that's a good summary, Paul. Thank you. Um, you know, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to join everybody else who's called in over the last three, four days and even during the draft. I mean, you know, terrific draft. Um, I would have, you know, you, you know, what would you have done kind of question. I, you know, I was leaning toward Daniels and then number two pick. I'm not unhappy Donald. with Hernandez. I like the versatility with Daniels, but he he dropped half a round. There was something up with Daniels. I mean, he dropped half. If you drop half a round from the first, you know, early in the draft, there's there's, there's some sort of problem that people are zeroing in on. Len, he had medical. If you drop half a round in round six, it doesn't make much. I mean, everybody's, you know. Daniels, Daniels, Daniels had knee issues, yeah. He had knee issues, though, Len. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and yeah. if what we can surmise from looking at the Giants' portfolio during their draft, 
they drafted guys with all clean medical. So yeah. so chances yep. are you could logically assume that medical guys were not going to make it in, into this uh, into this building. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I go with that. I wish we'd had one more pick. I wish we had a six. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had an eye on the kid from Wagner, the tackle from Wagner. Greg Sinat. Uh, I forget when he went. I Ravens. know he went in the sixth round, but I forget who he went to. Ravens. Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to have gotten him. Um, uh, you, you know, McIntosh sounds like it's going to be a nice pick. I had my eye on Settle, the kid from Virginia Tech, that pick, simply mm-hmm. as a backup to um, Snacks, uh, which I think, and, and also a future. I mean, Snacks is moving up in age as well. He's but, a big boy, I so. mean, by and large, I think you well described what they were trying to do with Hill and Hill and McIntosh, um, you know, the kinds of positions they'll be playing in this defense. And all I know is in the in the NFC East, there, not that there aren't collisions on every play around the league, but, man, that NFC East, that line play, it's going to be collision after collision. And that, not only that, Len, how about the running backs, too? Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Darius Geis, and uh, then the Eagles, you know, stable of running backs yep. they have down there. There is yep. a there is going to yep. be black and blue yep. football being played yes, in the yes, NFC indeed. East this more year. Than, more than ever. Right, one more, and I got a question for you guys, kind of a philosophical question here. And it fits into what you just said about the running backs. And yep. I, I want Paul's opinion on this as well. I'm, I'm going to make a statement about the philosophy behind the 3-4 defense. And, and I'd, I'd like to have your opinion on this. Here it goes. The 3-4 defense is designed primarily to stop the run. Yes. Tell me what you think about that. No, no, but Len, that's that's an old-school philosophy that the Giants had put in back in the 80s when LT was here. That's that's, that's not new. That, that's a tried-and-true football 101. Steelers did the same thing. I mean, you remember years ago, 4-3 was the dominant defense. Very few teams were playing 3-4s, and this goes yeah. in cycles. Yeah. It always yeah. goes in cycles. Now, remember, some, I, I've heard Banks argue, though, when you're playing a 3-4 defense, and he would know considering he grew up in the defense where mm-hmm. there are some vulnerabilities in the 3-4. In the 4-3, you have the bigger defensive end setting the edge. In the 3-4, you have a smaller guy as a stand-up rusher outside. So I think off-tackle is some of the stuff you can run against the 3-4 that can sometimes work. I think it really, in my opinion at least, I think it really depends how you want to run the ball, whether the 4-3 or the 3-4 is, is, okay. is better against I, I'm going to go one further. Ultimately, it depends on how many great players you have playing in it. <laughs> that too. Okay. Yeah, that helps too. Go. That's a good point. <laughs> hey, that's a good one. And one, one other thing here. I always thought the key, and I've said this before, so you guys will probably remember this. I think the key in this 3-4 defense is the nose tackle. In any 3-4 defense, it's the nose tackle. I, I mean, Washington had a weakness in that 3-4 defense, sure and it was at no, that nose. They drafted two nose tackles in this, in this you know, draft. I mean, they can't play their 3-4 against these running backs in the NFC East unless they've got a nose tackle. And I am happy as heck that, that we got Snacks Harrison playing nose tackle be. for us. Thank you, Len. And, I, I, I was, and, and, and you know, my comment about Settle, I, I, was just, I was looking for a, you know, a backup, uh, you know, a real, uh, you know, a guy who's really going to stand up those blockers along the offensive line and take two guys to block them. And I thought that might have been Settle. But – Hey, listen, if, if the guys thought McIntosh was going to be the better player and would suit what they were trying to do with, you know, this new modern 3-4, um, I'm okay with it. Hey, Good. thanks for taking my call. It was Hi, a great Len. draft. Looking forward, thank you, looking forward to hearing more about these guys. Remember, thank you. No problem. Thank remember, you. Dalvin Tomlinson somebody that can 
take on a pair of blockers too. So he can. I'm not saying he's Damon Snacks Harrison's backup, but if you want to take Harrison out of the Snacks out of the game, you can put him in that nose tackle spot and and you'll be fine. He's capable. Um, the one thing that Len referred to though, the the old three four when when Belichick put it in, the Giants had Jim Burt, okay, and and Jim Jim was a short fire hydrant kind of of nose tackle who was able to take on double teams. And that's what really helped everybody else do what they do. Harry Carson could then dominate from the inside linebacker spot. LT and Banks could do what they wanted to do off the edge. George Martin and Leonard Marshall could do what they wanted to do off the edge. And and you're right. Burt was the unsung hero of that defense because he occupied so much attention that everybody else was allowed to get singled up. So, I, I Len, I, I get what you're saying. And... Again, the NFL has gone more and more three fours in the last few years. It's it's become very very popular, and it, it always goes in cycles. Come on, it's a copycat league. Well, and Paul, I think the reason why you're seeing more and more three four, that's the dominant defense in college. I mean, I I don't have the numbers, but I know Dan watches more college. Oh, look at the players coming out. Dan, what did you say? Seventy five percent of the college programs runs a three four as opposed to a four three. I feel like no. Am I wrong about that? From what I can, from from what I watch, it seems like they want so much speed on the field because of yeah. the read option, because of the RPOs. Mm-hmm. They want more fast guys on the field. So you want to limit the big linemen that are on the field. You put four linebackers on the field instead. By the way, half of them are like 225 pounds <laughs> now. They're not even 240. And the, uh, and then you want to try to put guys that can run. Yeah. And I think we talk about it every year. What do you complain about? You complain about tweeners because those are the guys that play the outside stand the spots in those three fours. I just think the way athletes are being developed now – more and more fit the 3-4, especially as your stand-up rushers and your traditional four-down linemen in the 4-3. Well, the other thing is your, your teams that are traditional 4-3s, if you want to use the word traditional, because, again, they're starting to get away from yeah. that, they're going to go a lot more sub-package because right. they want to get the speedy, smaller, faster guys on the field, more athletic guys. Yeah. So even though there'll be a base 4-3, they're playing a ton of sub-package. Yeah, and there'll be a nickel more than they'll be in base. Right. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Duke in Queens. He's up next. Hi, Duke. Guys, you got to start putting Len on a timer. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I, I but, hear uh, you, Duke. I hear you. <laughs> yes, give me give me some Len time right now because I got a few questions. Uh, go ahead. First question is this. One of my concerns for Lorenzo Carter is that people said uh, he, was on, he was on a team, on a defense that had a lot of stars, and that's why he didn't get as much, like his numbers weren't as great as they could have been. But he's going to a team that has stars. So should I expect that to change? I mean, I, I get it. Like, people change, people get better over time. But he's going to a team that has better stars. We have Olivia Vernon, uh, et cetera. You know, we got a bunch of people. Should Like, what? what's up? Yeah, Duke, honestly, I, uh, <laughs> I, I for one never bought that. That he didn't make plays because other good players in the team. Exactly. And, 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 and you know, maybe Paul thinks differently than I do. But I don't buy that. To me... Lorenzo Carter is a ridiculous athlete. He blew up the combine. He still needs to do a better job of turning those athletic talents into football skills. And I think he's a very raw pass rusher. He didn't get home a whole lot. But as Pat Mm Shermer and Dave Gettleman pointed out, 
you saw some of those raw moves on tape of what he's capable of doing. And now it'll be Bill McGovern and Gary Emanuel and James Betchers, their job to get him on Make the practice better. field, work on that technique, and turn a great athlete into a great football player. This is not a guy that you get in a box, you open the ribbon, you take the wrapping paper off, you open the box, and you have a 12-sack guy just landing in your lap. No, he's going to have to learn and develop and become a better football player. But when you're a third-round pick, you know what? That's the case for all the third-round picks. It's not just him. Now, understand this. Roquan Smith, and I'm looking at the Georgia stats right now, um, mm-hmm. had 137 tackles last year by far led the entire team by, by like 50, 60 tackles. And Lorenzo Carter was third. Now, Roquan Smith, by everybody's account, was going to be a high first-round oh, pick. Top ten. Top okay? Ten. So, so if there's going to be a dominant dog on the Bulldogs' defense, it's going to be Roquan Smith, and he's going to pile up bigger numbers than anybody else. So I do buy some of that. But I think, for me, the bigger reason – in addition to Roquan gobbling up a lot on his own, is that, as Lorenzo Carter explained to us, he was used in so many different ways in this defense. They were constantly adjusting him. He was weak side. He was strong side. He was playing a little bit of coverage. He was rushing a passer. And when you're, when you're doing all these different things all the time, That's true too. you're not going to pile up a, a great amount of stats, you know, because you're, doing, you're playing the scheme. You're not you're not yeah. a stat monger. Yeah. You're you playing the scheme. Yeah. Okay, uh another question. Um one thing I found a little peculiar during the draft was that uh Snacks, he tweeted out uh, uh, he said something about Maurice Hurst and I was like, "Hmm, okay. We could have had him, but we took someone else." So I thought that was funny because he didn't tweet out the guy we actually got and say, "You know, welcome to the team." And, and, but that I didn't led me to that. thinking, like, should we have gotten Maurice Hurst? You know, it's I funny. Know he had some injury problems, but should we have taken a chance on him and maybe only him? Duke, Maurice Hurst, in my opinion, was a top 20 talent in this draft. Uh, he, was exactly. the, he was the best three technique in the draft. He's an unbelievable player. Pro Football Focus has him as one of their top five guys, okay? So, yeah. um, I look, based on talent, yeah, he should have been off the board. Paul and I don't have access to these medicals where we know how serious that heart condition was, so it's kind of hard for us to comment on whether or not the Giants should have taken him because if the Giants' doctors look, and again, I have no idea if this is true, and I'm just a hypothetical. If they looked at the medicals and said, there's a chance this guy could drop that on the field, you're not going to take him, okay? You can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Obviously, a lot of teams felt that way. Yes, otherwise you wouldn't have dropped to the fifth round. Correct. Yeah. But I dislike that for us because our the people that we draft usually don't even stay on our team. So, like, can we just take some chances here? And I thought I thought that was one of the guys. Nope. I understand it, but I thought that was one of the guys that we should have taken uh, a chance with. This, you know, Duke, this draft and, was not about chances. And Duke, I would say this: if the Giants yeah. were like a, a team like the Ravens or a team like the Packers or a team like the Cowboys, where you had ten and eleven picks because of compensation picks and stuff, yeah, then you can roll the dice on a guy like Maurice didn't have Hurst. a lot. The Giants only had six picks, so they had to make them all count. Yeah, they make them all count. Another question. Um, uh, uh, Eric Flowers just got a you know Hollywood star uh, agent, and so there's the possibility of him leaving. And when I thought about him leaving, uh, I thought, well, what's the importance of right tackle? Because I know the importance of left tackle. 
And so can you guys sort of tell me what the importance of right tackle is? I know there's different importance for each sort of lane, but can you tell me what it is for right tackle? Well, let me put it this way, too. I don't think because he hired Drew Rosenhaus, that means it's more than likely that he's going to leave. If anything, I think... I want, he wants more money. If, 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 well, he's not going to get it because he's on the contract and, and he's on his rookie deal. If anything, I think there's a good chance Drew Rosenhaus, who's a professional agent, convinces him to come up here, and hopefully that happens. We'll see. I think right tackle... And sorry, Duke, we had to let you go because there was a lot of noise on your line there. You had the horn first, and then you had what it sounded like a riot afterwards. So, yeah, we had to, we had to let you go. Um, <laughs> um, right tackle, in my opinion, is nearly, if not as important as left tackle these days. Look at the Giants' schedule last year. They played the Raiders. Where did Khalil Mack line up? Over the right tackle. They played the Broncos. Where did Von Miller line up? Over the right tackle. Where does the Redskins' best defensive player, Ryan Kerrigan, line up? Over the right tackle. Where does Demarcus Lawrence, the Cowboys' best defensive player, line up? Over the right tackle. Where does Brandon Graham, the Eagles' mm -hmm. best pass rusher, line up? Over the right tackle. You need a good right tackle and left tackle. You can't hide anybody at right tackle. That's not the way it works anymore. No, and, and a lot of teams also will flop guys. And, sure. and so even if you don't see him on a normal basis, you'll see him on a rotating basis. And by the way, the Giants... That pass rush is going to be there. The Giants play the Texans this year. You know where J.J. Watt lines up? <laughs> Over the right tackle. Do you know where Cameron Jordan for the Saints, do you know where he lines I, up? Over the right tackle. I would, I would add this, though. Okay, again, the, the standard of football 101 is your right tackle is your power tackle because you're going to be strong side running to the right side. So he's usually got to be the more powerful guy who's going to be a better run blocker. But because the way the game is changing in the last couple of years and more and more pass rushers are going to be over there, it's not the you know same. what? Yeah. It's not quite that much of a difference anymore. You know, it used to be a bigger difference. Now, not so much. But what I will say is this. I'm with John. Um, Eric Flowers, his value as a football player will only increase if he winds up coming into the Giants and proving that he is an NFL-caliber player who deserves the kind of respect and the kind of, um, the kind of uh, commitment that, that every NFL player wants. And right now, you know, that's that's like a limbo situation. But he can only help himself if he's here and he's on the field and he produces. Because guess what? That's good for the team. That's good for the player. Yep. And it's good for his overall value as a as an NFL product. And by the way, historically, Drew Rosenhaus and the Giants have worked on a lot of contracts and a lot of players together. They have a pretty they good have. working relationship. So just something to keep in mind. Scott in New Mexico will be our final caller of the show. Hi, Scott. Good afternoon. How are you? Hi, guys. How you doing? Hi. Um, I'll keep it short. Uh, two questions. Uh, one, I was actually fascinated by the two conversations that you guys had earlier with well, as head coach and with the McIntosh. And Thank you. McIntosh, when I watched uh, game films from him, and you can tell me if I'm crazy or not, but he gets off the ball really fast. He does. And Both guys do. The only comparison I can McIntosh. make at his weight is somebody like Aaron Donald, and I realize he's not in that class yet, but does he have the potential <laughs> to get to that kind of thing where he can no. get off the ball that fast? I love, I love R.J. McIntosh. <laughs> I, I, I cannot start mentioning him and Aaron Donald in the same sentence. That's Look, a lot to ask. You, you hope that he's a good, penetrating, three-technique defensive tackle, and you can get some pass rush out of him. He's a fifth-round pick. Let's not start comparing him to Aaron Donald. He is definitely well, quick I, for I, his I, size, I, though. I'm just saying, yes. looking at game films, he has that quick He is quick. 
I haven't seen in, uh, the inside tackle like that. Scott, I'll put it this uh, way: he plays the, the same. NFL. He plays the same style that Aaron Donald is in terms of how they get the job done. They play similar styles, even if he's not the same level of player. How about that? I, I'm not okay. trying to be funny here, but if he was. That close to Aaron Donald, he'd have been gone in the first round. Yeah, you think? Okay. <laughs> uh, my uh, last question has to do with uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, we're sort of deifying um, uh, Saquon right now, and uh, he's been, uh, I know what Gettleman said that he's been touched by the hand of God. <laughs> but my question is are we putting enormous pressure on him to perform right away? Because he's ultimately going to be compared to Ezekiel Elliott. And Ezekiel ran for 1,600 yards, and they're different runners. And as John, you had said earlier, they're going to use him in different formations and so forth. So, are, do you think we're putting too much pressure on him now? Uh, uh, I see. Dis- I disagree or with do you your think statement. He can handle that kind of thing right now. I got. I got to put you on pause here because I disagree with the statement. He's not going to be compared to Elliott because. He's going to be a all-around weapon. I go back to what John just said to you about See, how now, he's going to be such a big part of the passing game. Here's the thing, though, he's Paul. He's not going to run for 1,600 yards. I know he's that. Not. But, Paul, I know that. You know that. Scott's smart enough to know that. Is Joe Blow fan smart enough to know I that? I care less what right. fantasy football fans care, think no, about. But, no, but you're going to care when there's fans in the stands that are annoyed that he's averaging 60 rushing yards a game. But, uh, Ron, Scott, look. I, here, wait, he, wait, wait a minute. Don't fantasy people pay uh, play for total yards from scrimmage. Yes, you get so they'll be happy. They'll be happy. No, but no, but Paul, they'll be happy. I think Scott does make a good point. I do think there's and and, I, and I've argued with fans on the show about this heading into the draft. You're on shows if you want to argue yeah. with fans about this. He's where a they, weapon. Where they think, oh, he's going to get 25 to 28 carries and you're going to total the load. That's not him. But Scott, honestly, when you pick a guy second overall in the draft, right? I don't care what we say about the dude. There's going to be pressure, especially when you're a running back and there are quarterbacks on the board that he gets picked over. There's going to be expectations and pressure no matter what we say about him. So I I wouldn't quite worry about that part of it. Um, But, yeah, look, there's expectations. You're the second overall pick in the draft. You're a running back. You're going to be expected to come in right away, make big plays, and be productive. I don't think anyone's arguing that. I think the one thing also that we have to take into account is that Saquon Barkley – Playing at Penn State, and if you've ever been out in in those uh, necks of the woods, oh, they love their Penn State. I mean, Lions. I mean, he's already been glorified as a deity out there. Trust me, the spotlight's not going to be a whole lot hotter in New York than it was at Penn State because if you're out there in Western Pennsylvania, believe me, football is totally king. And every superstar out there is looked upon as the next governor of Pennsylvania. So he, he knows pressure. Trust me, he knows pressure. Okay. Well, I appreciate it, guys. I just wanted to get your insight. Thanks again. Hey, Thank appreciate you. Appreciate Thanks for the call. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's a heck of a, of a program that he's coming out of. And, and, and John, I, I don't get the impression from him. You listened to his call. You were here the other day at yep. the presser, too. I don't get the impression from him at all that the bright lights of that theater, when it was packed with 15, 20 TV cameras, 30 reporters, firing away for 15 minutes, was it? 20 minutes? Did you see one drop of sweat on his brow? I didn't. No. He seemed like, okay, guys, let's have some fun. I sensed no... no apple core in his in his throat at all. You know whose personality reminded me of a little bit? Stalling Shepard. 
Same type of very calm personality. Yeah, I could Didn't buy that. Didn't see things were too big for him. Shepard wasn't overwhelmed at all. No, he was just like, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I have expectations. I know what I'm going to do. I know what I can do, and I'm going to go and do it. And that's kind of that. I think based on the guys I've seen come through here that are skill position guys, that's the type of personality. And Sterling's a pleasure to deal with. He's the best, and he's the guy that hasn't been wowed by by everything going on around them. So look, I, I think I think he'll be fine. And there's going to be pressure. The second overall pick, there's pressure. No there question. Just is, just the way it goes. No question. Thank no you, question. Paul. He, he's actually lucky, though. He's got some other big-name players on offense, too. That's he's not true. the only one. Thank you, Mr. Dettino. Yes, sir. For Paul Dettino, I'm John Schmelk. That's Big Blue Kickoff Live for this Wednesday. We'll have two more shows Thursday and Friday this week at noon with Paul, Lance, and Feegs. I'll see you next week on Giants.com. Everybody, have a pleasant day.